Pit Guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Epoxic Enterprises. All right, time for another episode of the Pit Guys. Heck yes. It has been busy. It has been hectic. We got a great show tonight. It's the understatement of the year is busy and hectic. Yep. We, uh, it is the week before we leave for Ultra Fours King of the Hammers. We are doing all kinds of last minute thrashing. And if you're listening to this, you're probably just as busy and feeling just as hectic as we are because you're probably all getting your rigs ready for the race. And then we get to, when we get all done thrashing, we get to drive a thousand miles in one day. Oh, fun. But, the beautiful thing is, as we drive west, it's going to get warmer. It's true. It'll be nice. It's I mean, true. it's been really cold up here. I mean, today was like the warmest day we've had in a while. It was, I think, a six degree or today. And lately, it's been like zero or ten below or pretty solid cold. So I'm looking forward to some warmer temps. I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be the inaugural trip of my new truck. Freaking bow tie. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. The old LTZ, going to be making the trip out there in style. Wah, wah. Got my uh, old grandpa topper on. Wah, wah. I'm ready to go. Freaking Chevy. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a good 10 to 11 days on the desert. Mm, lots we, of jerky and monster. We got our camp spots all set up. We know where we're going to be now. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Zach, you've got everything laid out, so every every camper, every trailer has a place. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. I was told that our group is going to be one of the biggest groups in Hammertown. we got six spots. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, man. Well, tonight we've got, uh, we got some cool guests. We've got, uh, we've got, uh. The guys from Hypercraft, they're going to be on, Jake and John. And, uh, yeah, man, we should uh, – let's give them a call. Let's get right into the interview segment, man. Let's get Sounds these guys on. Sounds good to on. me. Let's get them on the horn. All right. Hypoxic Enterprises of Laramie, Wyoming, was created by two normal guys with a simple goal in mind, to create a more affordable option for everything off-road. Hypoxic started over 15 years ago with a love of Jeeps and rock crawling. While Jeeps were their gateway, the growth of the UTV industry couldn't be ignored, and the racing bug came shortly after. Hypoxic has a true passion for everything off-road, from racing at Ultra Force King of the Hammers to weekend cruises with the family. Whether you're a first-time UTV owner or an experienced racer, Hypoxic Enterprises is here to help you build the machine of your dreams. Ride safe, ride often. Epoxic Enterprises of Laramie, Wyoming. All right, so uh, kind of a big, big deal tonight. We got a couple of new guests uh, to the podcast, a little outside of the Ultra Four world, but getting into the Ultra Four world. Pretty exciting. Yeah, we've got uh, a couple guys from Hypercraft based out of Utah. Why don't you guys introduce yourself real quick to the listeners here? I'm uh, John Miller, uh, co-founder of Hypercraft. Uh, I do the marketing and creative branding stuff. And I'm Jake Hawksworth. I'm one of the founders and and, uh, CEO of Hypercraft. Well, man, we are pumped to have you guys both here tonight. We'll kind of get into how we got hooked up with you guys uh, later, um, but Hypercraft for all of those guys, for all those folks that are listening, give us a, a quick rundown on on who and what Hypercraft is. Yeah, so Hypercraft is a company that designs and manufactures a complete turnkey drive system, and uh, our drive systems are are made um, in many different you know power capacities and and range uh, battery capacities as well. So <clears throat> we make drive systems for many different applications, one of those being um, you know more specialized towards racing and off-road. Uh, but we support a lot of companies that that build vehicles for on-road applications, um, other OHVs, marine applications, and uh, some motorcycles. So 
Uh, we we specialize in in the the drive system itself, electric vehicle drive system. And you know, for those that aren't familiar with what that kind of entails, you know, the primary components are the motor and the battery. And there's a lot of supporting systems and electronics and software that that makes it all work together. And and we do that complete um, you know development and and what we supply our customers is essentially a functioning uh, system that that will power a vehicle. Yeah, and so I was I first saw you guys uh, maybe. Uh, when did you guys drop your uh, trophy truck? Because you have an EV trophy truck, right? That you kind of built and you've taken to a few shows. Yeah. So actually, the 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 reality of the trophy truck program is we've released that we are doing it. We're doing it in conjunction with the Geyser Brothers in in Arizona. Um, it is not built, and we don't have a functioning, uh, working electric trophy truck. It's something in development. It'll it'll be uh, built over the next year. Uh, we've just we've just started talking about it, kind of released, and that's one thing that we do as a company is uh, we're very open. We want to bring you know everybody into what we're doing as a company um, and the different applications for electric. So you know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the different things that we do very early on and um, sharing a lot of information and getting people excited about electric. You know the one thing for us is we're power sports motorsport guys, and uh, we're all engine enthusiasts, and and we're all um, you know, a fan of, of many different parts of motorsport and power sports. So we're, we're not uh, here to eliminate gas. You know, we, we like all the gas stuff too. Um, we just see the benefits of electric and in the potential applications. And we felt like as a, as a company, uh, there was a need for somebody to come in and simplify the, the drive system, reduce the complexity of it and make it turnkey. So more people had access to the technology. Right now, much of the access is, is really out of reach uh, because where you can buy certain components, some components you can't buy, um, and most people don't have the, the technical capabilities to integrate all the components together. So we do that. We provide it to anybody who wants, who wants uh, electric propulsion, and, and um, you know, there's many different applications for it. So that, that's pretty cool. So for those of you listening, um, if you're just kind of like figuring out this whole electric vehicle deal, it's fairly complicated. It's, you can't just grab a, a motor and a battery and call it a day. Like there's all sorts of controllers and then you got to size things appropriately. Or you're going to catch stuff on fire. Like there's a lot of steps involved in turning something into a functioning electric vehicle. So it's pretty cool that you guys are putting together turnkey solutions. So somebody who's like, Hey, this is a cool technology I want to get into, but I'm not necessarily an engineer. They can just grab this thing and go. So it's, I, I, there's a lot of moving parts. So I really think this is pretty awesome what you guys are doing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, we're really excited about it. We, we have um, kind of the mentality of, of builders, fabricators, um, you know, because a lot of us are. So what we kind of looked at was, you know, if somebody's going to build an electric UTV or um, ultra four car, or, you know, maybe it's a Mustang, you know, what, what makes it easy for them to integrate and build uh, an electric vehicle. And so everything about our systems, even the, the standardized ones, um, you know, are, are very easy to work with. And, um, you know, the batteries are typically like battery pack groupings instead of one major pack, mm -hmm. you know, our battery packs come in either six or eight pieces, four, six or eight pieces, so, you know, so you can put them in different places. And, and so we're really, we're really out there to inspire the creatives and innovators to go do cool things with electric and, and make that part, process easy for them. Man, you know, that makes me <clears throat> like, what I like about electric is I like making heads roll, right? Like I like gas, I like EV, but I love the idea of rolling into like a local hot rod you know, uh, Main Street, Saturday night, drag night with like an EV Chevelle. Like, <laughs> oh, I can't, my father-in-law is probably listening to this and his eyeballs are rolling back in his head. Like, no, this is so terrible. But well, man, that just sounds like so much fun. It's funny because like, there's a lot of hate towards electric, you know, and it, I have siblings that are like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. And I'm like, well, you know, you're, you know your gearheads and and think about this like okay you go to any big mining operation anywhere you know the biggest most macho 
you know, haul trucks, that's all like diesel over electric. There's electric moat drive motors. You know, you look at your, the most macho thing ever, and that is a freight locomotive. And what's powering that? Electric motors, right? So I, I always feel like there's a weird disconnect there. Like, oh, well, if you like electric, we got a, uh, a dear friend of ours who, <laughs> whenever we bring up EV drivetrains, he starts going off about our man buns. <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't see any of those freight train engineers wearing man buns, but apparently they do according to that logic. <laughs> well, and John, you know, John from the marketing side can talk about, you know, consumer perception. But the one thing that uh, when we got started, um, you know, was was we looked at all the all the places that we as motorsport enthusiasts find inspiration. Right. Um you know, so much of the cultural revolution has come from uh, people having, you know, these abilities to fabricate, you know, and do new things in the garage or, um, you know, all of that. We even had that with electric, right? It's, it's, it's been political. Um, it's, it's been, you know, mandated because of environmental concerns and, you know, we're stewards, right? Like we want, we want, um, you know, the, you know, our environment, the backcountry, you know, things to be taken care of. But what we, what we saw is, you know, what happens when electric goes in the hands of, of guys building ultra four cars or trophy trucks or, um, you know, all these different applications, you know, and, and, <clears throat> you know, what does that say? And I think that's like a more realistic look at how we can take new technology and integrate it um, into the future you know, essentially like how we bring about a better future with the new technology than just it being government mandated as, hey, you can no longer use gas in these situations. You know, that that doesn't really um, get people excited. You know, it feels forced. And uh, so, I don't know, John, you probably have a lot to say about that as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just what gets people excited, you know, and <clears throat> I think, from the very get-go when we started to develop hypercraft as a brand um you know we really just want to get people excited about performance and and on the merits of performance so you know when you start talking about the capabilities of these electric motors um they're simple they have super amounts of power and torque and you know that i mean like our trophy truck like you know 1600 horsepower 7,000 foot pounds of torque. Like, what are you even talking about? It's, it's almost preposterous, you know, but I like it and give me more. And, um, you know, I don't think it's like in the past, electric has been marketed under this kind of waving the green flag Prius and, you know, and it's just, it's never been inspiring. It's just always been this, this like, you know, save the planet kind of, it's more political than it is like just on the merits of performance. And <clears throat> so, you know, I think there's some stigma just how electric has been marketed broadly uh, in the industries before now. And um, so that's a huge opportunity for us to stand out and, um, you know, just like, like I'm a guy that has been into muscle cars and off-road vehicles and power sports and um, you know, I worked, uh, in the power, actually Jake and I both worked in the power sports industry for a long time. And, you know, what gets people excited is like horsepower and, you know, going big and, and actually new graphics, <laughs> you know? And so like, how do you play in that realm with something that before now has just been this sort of boring, lame kind of government mandated political thing um and really performance is is an easy way to to go after that and you know obviously like you couldn't tell that story if it wasn't true and it's like these electric motors are just so powerful they'll you know they'll rip your arms off like that's that's something to talk about and um so yeah it's exciting to kind of start to reimagine where electric can go and um, the racing application stuff is super cool too, because when you start thinking about purpose built vehicles that, you know, like for example, a, a quarter mile drag racer, like you don't need to go 300 miles. So 
you know, you build that thing to go 50 miles and it'll do a quarter mile and it doesn't weigh that much and it's got too much power for the chassis. Like that's freaking awesome. Like you could do those all day long. It doesn't have to drive cross country with, you know, an SUV full of your family or whatever. It's just, it's built for the drag strip. Um, you know, motorcycles, snowmobiles, like, you know, power to weight can be uh, an equation in performance or, you know, range can be an equation in performance. Um, efficiency can become a new equation in performance. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of tune and dial specifically for how you're going to um, use that, whatever that vehicle is. So <clears throat> it's way more, way more purpose built. Um, and I, yeah, it's just, it's going to be fun to, to let electric play out in, in all these realms of performance. Well, and I think one of the big things is too, <clears throat> especially in the West, you know, the West as a whole is seeing this, but Colorado, where we're at, all this public land, right? We're so close to what we call the front range. It's basically everything from like Fort Collins all the way south to Colorado Springs. It's this massive um, grouping of all these people that keep moving to Colorado. And so they're like, oh, we're all stuck on the front range because we love the mountains. It's where the work is. So they all come up to our mountains up here, um, our national forest. So the problem then is we have overcrowding in the, on the public lands. And then, you know, most, most um, power sports machines at the moment are fairly noisy. Um, and so now you have like all of this, all of this noise and you have all these people that are com like complaining, all oh, these are so loud. We can't let them in the forest because they're disrupting everything. So we've got this real problem where we have to figure out how to basically live with one another. So the feds don't keep taking our access away. So I think that this is a really great solution. We can come to some sort of middle ground. You know, I, I hate to I hate to be at this point in time, but I feel like it's, it's becoming more of an issue. Like eventually we're going to have to come up with something if we want to maintain that access. And I feel like, you know, this electric drivetrain is fairly quiet. Well, shoot, there's a win-win there. You know, you can, you can appease some of the needs of the land managers and the other 50% of the land users and still maintain the access that we love and enjoy. So I think that's a pretty cool part of the whole equation as well. Yeah, that's a, a big motivator for us um, in our background too. Um, you know, coming from the snowmobile industry, um, I got really passionate over the last decade about all the, the closures that we were experiencing on, on national forests um, in the winter all over the West. And you know, I can go way down that rabbit hole with that experience, but you know, the gist of it is, is, um, I mean, you, you're hitting it on the head is there's, there's half of the people that are using the outdoors that, um, are somewhat new to it. And it's, it's sort of the new cool thing to do, um, in a place like Colorado or Utah, where we have this massive influx of population, um, you know, and then there's guys like us that have been here all our lives, you know, kind of escaping out you know, on the county roads and, and all those places were free and open and, and now they're getting closed. And mm -hmm. um, the more people you introduce to it, it's like the less access we have. And it's like, it's almost like there's more people. So we need to open it up more instead of closing yeah. it down into these narrow corridors and, um, you know, behavior and etiquette is a big um, part of this as well. Um, but you know, the noise is absolutely, the, not only the noise, but um, I mean, I have severe hearing loss from motorcycles and snowmobiles and, you know, open headers on, you know, starting exactly. new motors and in a muscle car and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, I've come full circle. Like I want everything to be quiet because I know the damage that it's physically done to my, to my hearing. Um, but then, you know, I'm also a snowboarder. So, you know, I dream of the day that I can go mountain snowmobiling um, and it's as quiet as when I'm riding my snowboard. Um, 
but with all the, you know, the power and the experience that we're used to in, in that world. So, um, you know, we've been at some racetracks for days on end, uh, with some of the events that we've attended for hypercraft and, you know, we were at Laguna Seca for three days and man, by the time we left that racetrack, I was over it. Like, you know, <laughs> you first get there and you hear the rumble and the roar of all these race cars and it's so freaking cool. But man, you spend 12 hours a day for, you know, days on end. And it's just like, man, I don't want to hear another, another set of open headers drive by. So, so, uh, I don't know. I don't know how in the, uh, like sprint car dirt track world you guys are, but they just had an event. I'm a big fan of this event. It's called the chili bowl. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it's these like midget sprint cars, uh, with no wings and it's in a building like in a oh, wow. in a exposition building in the fairgrounds they bring in all the dirt they build this little dirt track and it's it's just this epic like dirt track event for the year and it's the same thing like the first hour you're just like oh I, this is just so insane i can feel the cars i'm breathing the exhaust like this right. is incredible and after like the whole day in there like 10 12 hours you're just like, I don't even remember my name, <laughs> like from the race fuel and the dirt and the exhaust. Like, you're just like, I don't even know how I got here. And it's I one think of the power sport or motorsports guys, like all have hearing loss and oh, severe yeah. asthma. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of those deals where it's like, it's, I went to I this, like, now I don't need to go back for 10 years, you know? But yeah, I mean, that's, you you know, as guys that are into that stuff, you feel that inside, right? So I'm curious as we get into this EV world, like what it's going to physically feel like to be in these cars, right? Like there are some things that like you don't think about. I watched a special on, maybe it was uh, Amazon Prime about the Pikes Peak Hill Climb last year, right? During COVID. And uh, one of the well, several of the cars that they featured were uh, Teslas in the new EV class for the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. And they go through the process and, you know, how they build the cars and they get to race day or qualifying day. And they were like, shoot, you know, this is dangerous. Um, because, because you can't hear them coming. You can't hear them coming. And their solution was literally to like take a shoe and duct tape it to the horn on the steering wheel and the Tesla or the EV guys had to go all the way up Pike's Peak with their horn on so that mm. people could hear them, right? I mean, it's a, a an interesting problem to run into. Like yeah. when, you're, when you're driving this EV Ultra 4 car, like you're yeah. not going to hear anything. You're just going to feel. So like how are, you, how are your senses going to translate into that? It's going to be interesting to see, I think. It's going to – it's really interesting because – um, you know, one thing is that we have to do many things to, to make it safe. Like we've had 120 years working with ICs and we've had a lot of really painful learning experiences. Right. And it's evolved to a point where, you know, we know how to make it safe and, and many other things. So with, with electric, like, as we kind of introduce this new technology, we have to take the things that we know. And then we have to, we have to look ahead far enough because, there's really not tolerance to, to go through the learning lessons. Like you look at how dangerous formula one was through the early years. Right. So we, we can't do that. We can't do that right now. So like in EV racing, there has to be lights on the outside of the vehicle that show that the vehicle is live. Right. Because, you know, even the driver doesn't know, like in an audible sense, if he hits the the throttle, the accelerator, you know, if the vehicle is going to move. Right. Um, so it, the system can be live and you can accidentally hit it and you're moving. So, you know, there's all kinds of those sensory things that we have to work on the performance side, you know, and I, I, I think the best example, like I've, I've talked to people about, and I don't know if anybody's watched these videos, but I was a huge mountain biker and Red Bull did with Brandon Semenek that he did, they did these videos called, um, raw. I don't know if anybody is familiar with them. If you're not, it's a great example of, I think what's happening in EV relative to racing. We can hear so much uh, more about what's happening with traction. You can hear the traction of the tires, right? You can hear the chassis flex and move. You can hear, you know, the drivetrain in a totally different way. And I think what it allows us to do is it, it allows us as drivers 
as performance enthusiasts to integrate into the vehicle in a whole new way. So there's some exciting things about the the lack of sound and, and there is sound to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, I mean, if you're moving, I mean, there's drivetrain noise and there's, you know, the motors do make some noise and, um, you know, there's other ways to kind of create a sense, you know, and, and some of that is, uh, can be done through speakers and there's a whole topic, you know, around that, that, but, um, you know, just really, you know, as much of it is a benefit, there's a safety element to it. And, um, and then there's a, an experience side to it. And, you know, we just have to, this is what's so great about putting it in the hands of people that are going to build new vehicles, because, you know, the more people that, that do this and do electric, the more innovation we'll see. Yeah, you know, I jokingly said, look, when we first got into the the EV Ultra 4 deal, I was like, man, uh, are, are we going to have to wear like fire suits? Like we don't have fuel tanks, right? No one's filling up with gas, like nothing's going to explode. I mean, obviously we're still going to wear fire suits, right? But like, you, you got to think about that. The, the big danger that we always see at the races is that fuel, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> We've just eliminated all that. Well, maybe we don't have to wear fire suits, but we'll have to wear Faraday suits or something like that, you know, like a wire mesh suit to dissipate electrical charges. (laughs) Rubber, black rubber suits. (laughs) Lineman's gloves uh, material (laughs) made into suits. So if you get a little gas, you can see the orange poking through. (laughs) So uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about how Hypercraft came to be? Like, tell us how it started, right? I'm looking at two of the guys that helped found it. I mean, was this like uh, hanging out at the coffee shop, sketching things on napkins thing, like, or or bigger picture? Like, tell me how you guys got together. Wait wait a minute. Who hangs out at coffee shops, sketching on napkins? Well, you You hang out at bars. You're you're making stereotypes there. (sighs) Yeah, (laughs) I think there's a lot of Hey, there's a lot of great businesses that exist because of coffee shops and napkins. So I'm thinking of small farm town, like where the old guys go every morning to drink their coffee. That's the cafe. Yeah, the cafe. cafe. Yeah, sorry, I'm not thinking of like Starbucks. I don't. I don't. Oh, for those of those who are listening, we are. His man bun is is. Yeah, we're hipsters for sure. (laughs) But no, you know it's it's funny that Hypercraft started out as the customer of what we are now, right? So we, we're trying to build an electric vehicle. Hypergraph started to be a power sports vehicle that was gonna be electrified. And what we, what we learned through the whole process of designing and um, I mean, we had this vehicle, you know, pretty much designed ready for prototyping. But what we learned is that the, the electric vehicle drive system that we needed to power the vehicle um, for us needed to be a turnkey solution, right? We needed, you know, we could go to Rotax and we could buy, you know, an engine or we could go to Yamaha or Suzuki, we could buy engines. Uh, and, you know, so we thought, well, with all of the emphasis on electric and, you know, all of the, the push to go green and all of this, right? There's obviously a company in the world that makes something size that has like the boners and the batteries and all the electronics and everything. We can just buy the package we bolted into the vehicle and all we off we go. And, and there wasn't, you know, we, what we learned is you can go buy a motor, but the company that designed the motor didn't have a motor controller. You had to go to another company. Uh, but then you had to have an electrical engineer and a software engineer to pair those two together. But then you had to have a VCU and then somebody else, a whole nother group had to do the battery development and all the BMS integration and thermal management. So you need like this team of 10 or 12 engineers. And, you know, we, we looked at that and said, okay, well, that's what we need to do, right? We need to design an in-house drive system. But the cost of it um, was way, way too high uh, and we, we couldn't ever see a return. So it wasn't a profitable business. For us to do a ground up electric vehicle uh, development program, it was, it was, it was almost 12 million you know, just in, in the EV development side. And all of that had to go into one vehicle platform. You just couldn't sell enough units fast enough to ever get a return. And then we started looking at like, so we, we kind of were in a position we had to scrap it. We had to scrap the whole project. And we started looking at some of the other companies that have tried to go electric that didn't make it. And we, we kind of learned that everybody's facing the same thing. You know, we're all trying to develop this drive system just to power the vehicle. 
And it's always this ground up development and the costs are incredible. Alta spent 52 million developing their electric motorcycle and uh, they never sold enough units. And, and um, you know, they eventually got bought and, you know, went bankrupt and got bought out. So this, this pattern kind of exists. And we thought, look, in the, in the internal combustion world, we exist today with vehicles because there's, there's motor manufacturers, right? Companies that build motors. And so somebody's got to do this for electric. And, and uh, that's kind of how we, we kind of came to the conclusion that it might as well be us. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys really did find a niche. Like, I'm going to kind of transition that into our Ultra 4 connection with you guys. You guys partnered with Dave Cole and Ultra 4. Uh, 11 teams got a spec drivetrain or are getting a spec drivetrain, and, and we're part of one of those teams. And so immediately when we were selected, right, we're like, who's our drivetrain coming from, right? Is it coming from Ford? Is it coming from Tesla? Like, we don't know. And they said, they tell us, well, it's coming from Hypercraft. All right, I'm going to get on the computer. I'm going to look these guys up. Like, who are these guys? What are they doing? Where'd they come from? And that's the first thing I see is you guys are, are turnkey, like full package kits, right? For lack of a better term. And we were like, man, this is perfect because we're UTV guys. Uh, primarily we're Polaris Razor guys. That's what our team races. That's what most of our buddies race. Uh, nothing against other brands, but we're just Polaris Razor guys. And we're like, man, what if we took our Razor, their drivetrain, put it together? And it's just funny because what you guys created is exactly what we were looking for. And we're just normal guys. We hear that a lot. Yeah, we're, we're, we're average Joes. So if we want it, like, surely this is a thing. And you guys have found that niche. Um, and I think it's going to be big. I think you're going to grow rapidly. Um, and I'm also, how did you find me? Like you, you did a lot of research. So I was just going through hypercraft stuff on Facebook and yeah, this is kind of funny. And I'm like, Oh, this guy's name's John Miller. I was like, I've met a John Miller before back when I worked in power sports, I just worked at a local uh, Polaris dealership. Uh, you know, I was just a guy that worked in the shop and ran a parts department, but I got heavy into snowmobiling and you and I actually met, I was just, I just had this wrote down. It would have been probably about 2013. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Jeremy Mercier. Yeah, he's a right. snowmobiler for Ski-Doo and he used to own and operate uh, this place called Vagabond Ranch. Right. It was like a backcountry guy's paradise. Uh, it didn't matter if you were a skier, a snowmobiler, whatever. You'd go out and stay at his lodges. And you and I met at a snowmobile show. Okay. I was with Jeremy and you knew Jeremy and it was like, oh. And so that it wouldn't was have like, surprised me if, if we had been snowmobiling together. It probably has happened because yeah. I rode with Jeremy as much as I could back there. Yeah. And uh, it's just funny how I don't, I'm not in the snowmobile world anymore. I mean, I ride a little bit and you kind of left your position that you were at at that time in power sports. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, I know this guy. I got a foot in the door with these guys. <laughs> yeah. And, you you know, hit me up right away. <laughs> well, we're, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't stop messaging too. I'm like, man, who is this dude? He's persistent. <laughs> well, we're, here's the thing, man. We're all racers, right? Well, at least in our world, like a lot of the people listening to this podcast, we're all racers. And the 11 teams that were awarded the drivetrain from ultra four, we all kind of collectively came together and we said, hey, we're going to work together. This is going to boom or bust with all of us. And so if we are a team inside of a team, like this is just going to help progress this uh, EV off-roading in its infancy. But we're racers, right? So we're, we're working together and we're being friendly, but we're all looking for that edge. And so I'm like, well, I know these guys and I guarantee you the other, the other teams don't know these guys. Like I got to get in. Plus, you know, we have, uh, in my opinion, one of the hottest, youngest 
ultra four mm-hmm. race race car drivers out there and Josh Smith. So I'm like, Hey Josh, this is a great chance to promote yourself. You're trying to make a career out of racing. Like it's just funny how all that comes together. Right. Yeah. yeah that's really and I cool. hadn't, and I hadn't thought about how the 11 teams, you know, it totally makes sense. You guys are all going to share notes and kind of get this whole thing dialed in and, and, you know, and I'm sure Dave, I mean, Dave's a visionary. He, he probably saw how the whole thing would play out. I mean, he probably knows what it's going to look like 10 years from now, knowing that guy, but you know, the way that, that everybody's going to work together, all boats kind of float together. Mm -hmm. And you know, this thing's probably going to, the EV spec class is probably going to take off. Well, the um, big, the big thing is, is we got to put on a good race, right? We can't show up with 11 cars and have six or seven of them not finish. Like, that's not what people want to see. I, I've grown up watching NASCAR, right? And, and mm-hmm. a good race is what builds your fan base. And so if this EV spec class puts on good races, I mean, look, my favorite race from King of the Hammers last year was easily the Saturday night class 11 VW bug race, right? Probably the least ultra four king of the hammers race with these guys in these vw bugs these baja bugs but it was incredible because the racing was so good and if we can create that as a group plus with ultra four and with hypercraft and with all these other connections and companies between the 11 teams that we have i mean we could put together some real good partnerships amongst everybody i mean like i said i get super stoked Mm -hmm. because i see what it could be. I see the potential of what this could be in our sport. I know Hopper is super into the technical part. Yeah. I could care less about who's watching or like, you know, all the hype. I like building it. You know, I, I, I'm dabbling myself a little bit into EV stuff. I got like a 1975 montgomery ward garden tractor oh yeah you you guys need to build a turnkey (laughs) kit for this well i i've got this eight thousand watt uh motorcycle motor it's a and then i just had this guy met build me a like a a 72 volt 40 amp hour battery and i've got some components pieced together so i want to make this like little garden tractor go 100 miles an hour (laughs) and i that's what i have fun with i have fun with like what can I do that's going to be different? That's going to bring me, bring me happiness. You know, in the meantime, it's going to be, you know, I might get some funny looks going fast on a crusty riding lawnmower. That's fast, but yeah, I don't really care about the publicity as much as Zach, but that's why we're a good team. Cause Zach's like, Hey guys, look at us over here. And I'm like, well, let's make this work. So yeah, and we're really pumped about like our partnership between Ultra Four and Hypercraft. I think it's gonna be yeah. I think in 2022, where we're at in this day and age, like this is the progression of the sport, right? It has to be the progression of the sport. Not that we're gonna get away from those gas motors and those thousand horsepower open class cars, but like we've seen this in other sports, right? It's, it's all about progression and evolution and, and even competition, right? Competition breeds excellence. And I think, it does. I think we're on the cusp of that, like right here, like it's getting ready to explode. Well, and, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny because the racers want to compete and the technical guys want to compete too. And the way that the technical guys compete is, you know, the new challenge of new technology and, um, you know, how we, how we use it, how we apply it, how we tune it, how we find the competitive edge, you know, and, and, um, you know, as much as you guys are, are both complimentary, I think that's kind of how John and I are too. Um, you know, I, I spent 15 years doing product design, manufacturing, fabrication, and, and what really inspired me to get interested in electric. So, you know, this will this will kind of sound funny coming from <clears throat> somebody who, who now is, um, you know, and uh, very very much into electrification. But uh, I I don't like electrical in any way, shape, or form. Um, <laughs> it's scary, right? Well, it's not. I I just you know, it's like I, you know, I was, you know, the guy that like, okay, you know, like let's cut and weld and 
you know, I love the fabrication and I, I did, I've done CAD and 3d design for 15 years. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not that, you know, much into electrical systems, like wiring really freaks me out. I think that part's scary. Um, you know, just the thinking about it, the theory of it. I think I have one electrical class in high school that I dropped out of, you know, I just don't like electrical, but what, what changed my mind about EV was it's a new form factor, right? Like the packaging of it is different where we put the weight is totally different. Um, you know, how we can apply power to the wheels or whatever we're using to drive the vehicle. If it's stone built, it's a track, you know, if it's two wheels, it's two wheels, you know, but, um, you know, tuning, tuning the power, you know, all of a sudden it unlocked so much of what we've spent 120 years trying to perfect with internal combustion. Like internal combustion is 3000 moving parts that are all there to contain an explosion. And then we take that and we have a very specific power band. So we build these really intricate transmissions to deliver the power when the motor is running at its optimal RPM. And everything is just really complex and really inefficient. I mean, you're talking like best efficiency of an internal combustion motor out to the wheels is like 23%, right? So yeah, fuel has, so where we are with energy density and batteries, just so everybody knows, a gallon of gas for the same weight in batteries is a hundred times more energy. But because of the inefficiencies of burning fuel, uh, we actually are starting to see we're almost neck and neck, right? So um, it's just a really interesting time, but the way that we can package it and seeing how you guys will take these drive systems and these battery packs and these pack groupings and put them on the vehicle in different places and everybody's doing a little bit different thing um, and then integrating them into the drivetrain, you know, and, and the, the ability that you guys will have to, you know, to tune, you know, the acceleration profiles, um, you know, which you can't do with the internal combustion engine, right? Internal combustion, you just like, everybody's just going to do, you know, pedal to the floor. Uh, you can tune the fuel mapping, but we actually have to detune the electric motor because if we give you hundred percent of the power right out of the gate, you'd rip everything apart. So <clears throat> you actually that would be cool to see too. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, you just, I mean, you'd snap whatever, whatever goes first yeah. and, and you, it wouldn't be exciting. You would just sit there. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of this, you know, this new frontier, right? So if, if you're a racer, it's a new frontier because of the driving experience is all new. If you're a technical guy or, or a fabricator, um, a builder, it's a new frontier because you're figuring out a new way to use this completely different form factor and technology and work with it. And that's the innovation that, that um, breathes new life into every industry or every sport. And without that critical change, you know, when things are the same, when they're stagnant, they're the same for too long, you know, what happens? We lose interest, you know, things, things start to change in a negative way. So I, I do think this is a really incredible, exciting time. I think that, um, you know, we're going to be introducing some of this technology where it's head to head against gas. And uh, we're, we're going to see some new types of competition between gas and electric. And, and that's going to be exciting too. So do you think, so I think about the newness of this and like, you know, trying to sell this to, you know, some of the, the more diehard petrol heads out there, if you will. Um, I always think about like, do you suppose like back in when Carl Benz made the first automobile in 1886, he's sitting there talking to some old guy with a horse and he's like, ah, that contraption's never going to replace horse poop and hay and horse flesh and then carl ben's like oh i'm not trying to do that it's just something in addition to it now look where we're at today um it's yeah it's interesting to see you know for years and years it was there was one mode of transportation and that was that was pretty much livestock right oxen horses and then steam came along and with it, the industrial revolution and, and then steam locomotion and all that. And then the late 1800s saw the advent of the internal combustion engine. And then, so we've had this internal combustion engine for a long time now, and it's very complex. It's very inefficient. There's been many iterations of the internal combustion engine. You know, you've got like, like the rotary, engine all these other weird things there's diesel engines and all this but we've had this one thing for a very long time and 
you know, like we've said before, it's kind of exciting to see this new electric motors aren't new. Like I've got this lathe in my shop that's got an electric motor that has a, a like a little nameplate. Um, the original motor that came with it still running, but uh, on the build, the build plates or whatever you want to call it on the electric motor, it's like 1936 on there. That's when it was built. So electric motors are not new by any means, but I think that, you know, I want to see where this goes. I want to see where, you know, where we go, like, will I in my lifetime see uh, internal combustion engines phased out? I, I'd like to think not, but I think that they will be. Um, so part of, part of the reason this excites me is I like power sports, like, you know, coming full circle to conversation earlier, I like power sports, but I don't want to give it up. And if an electric motor is going to allow me to keep those power sports, then I'm all for it. So, yeah. And I, I, you know, my feeling, you know, is that electric might be the dominant technology, you know, in propulsion, um, but it won't be the exclusive, you know, we're going to have gas, we're going to have hydrogen, we're going to have probably new types. I mean, someday maybe they miniaturize a, you know, nuclear reactor and you've got nuclear cars, you know, who that, would knows? Be cool. that would be cool. <clears throat> That would be really cool. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that for many reasons, the technology in electric has been pushed to a point, partially funded through government, um, mandated by government, and the funding being there for companies to really invest in, in development and, and push the limits in battery and motor technology to a point where it is much more viable. I mean, you know, John mentioned the trophy truck having three motors um, that produce 1,600 horsepower and, and uh, over 7,000 foot-pounds of torque. Those three motors combined weigh 192 pounds. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're just you're just not going to find power density like that in any other type of technology. And yes, we have to we have to carry batteries, but you know, even the battery technology is getting to a point where um, you know within the next two years there will be you know graphene-based battery cells that can charge in less than two minutes you know, over 80%, you know, we're, we're just getting to that point where um, I, I think it, it allows electric to kind of uh, pull ahead and, and be the dominant future propulsion technology. And what better time than now for uh, racing organizations and builders and fabricators to, to get access to this technology and do awesome things with it so that, you know, we kind of help influence and and um, encourage that development in a certain direction well and i think <clears throat> ultra four is the ticket right we we say this all the time because we're ultra four dave cole fanboys here on this show <laughs> but ultra four really is, is family right like that's that's why we're all attracted to it um and you guys are like coming into that um, and I think, I just think it's going to be a great relationship. I think you guys are going to be received well. I think that, you know, the sky is going to be the limit for what we can do in this series with this technology. I think you couldn't have picked a better series to really get your feet wet and get involved in. And we awesome. know how to really break stuff bad. <laughs> so we're going to get some great R&D on some of this stuff too. Well, I mean, we're, we're big fans of ultra four and, and, um, you know, it is such an awesome environment to, to put effort into, you know, obviously we, we pretty much owe this opportunity exclusively to Dave Cole, you know, and, and we can't say enough good things about Dave, um, you know, without somebody like him, uh, that, that had the vision, you know, the long-term vision took the risk you know, stepped out and said, this is what we're going to go do. Um, you know, you wouldn't even have a company like Hypercraft that can fill that position. Right. So, you know, we, we, um, you know, we're very thankful and grateful. We we've come into this very humbly, you know, we don't, um, we don't have the misconception that we have all the solutions. We're very excited to work with you guys and, and the rest of the teams, um, you know, through this whole pro process, you know, as, as much as you guys are, are doing it together and working together, we will be right there in the mix with you. Um, uh, you know, just working through integration, um, you know, doing all the safety training and you guys will know so much about electric drive systems when you come out of this. So 
it's uh it's going to be a very exciting time and we're we're just really grateful to be a part of it honestly and um i think from there all great things happen for everybody like john said all the boats in the harbor float together and you know we didn't have an agenda coming into this other than you know just to to work with people that are awesome and that's what racing does right you said family zach like that that can be more accurate it's it's where you know um awesome people come together and do great things as a community and and uh we we want to be a part of that for a really long time you know not just you know in it one year go make a splash and out we're committed to to being a part of this industry for a really long time and and helping with uh the electrification of of many different classes you know as the as there's a need or there's demand and um you know just excited to see how this utv class grows because i think it's going to be really fun to participate in this class so uh this episode is our pre-2022 king of the hammers episode right we're going we're going to hammers next week so a lot of folks are going to be listening to this that are driving across the country to king of the hammers for this year so you guys are going to be at uh koh this year right you're going to come and and see what it's all about i guess shake hands and kiss babies maybe something (laughs) like that you know, are you guys going to be there on the lake bed with us all? Like, what can we expect to see from you guys next week? Yeah, we're going to be right there in the mix. You know, we're going to be um, there to to uh, to experience it. Um, you know, obviously a big part of our our um, you know uh, participation this year is going to be um, you know working as a partner with with King of the Hammers and Dana and and some of the other companies that help make this happen. Um, we will have a fully working drive system there, you know, on display. So everybody can see what this spec class drive system is like, um, you know, answering questions, talking to people about electric and, and, you know, just really being a part of the event and, and having fun with it. So yeah, we'll be on the lake bed. We'll be there watching some of the racing and, and um, they're showing, showing the kind of the future of electric and off-road. And, and you guys, have you, have you been to hammers before? I'm curious. <laughs> I, you know, I have not, um, I have not been there in person. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a whole new experience for me. You know, I, I, um, was a part of a motocross heavily for, for a lot of years and, and obviously, you know, geeked out on 4,400 cars and, you know, all the other classes and watching, you know, um, all the YouTubes of King and Hammer. So we, we were very familiar with it. Uh, but it'll be our first time being there uh, in so, person. So I was given these wise words several years ago when I went for my first time. They, they told me there's two kinds of guys or two kinds of people that go to Ultra Force King of the Hammers. The people that get there and they say, man, this was cool. Like this was neat. Scratch it off my bucket list. Next year, I'll go do something else. And then there's the guys that are like, damn, like, I got to do this. I got to be involved in this. Like, obviously, Hopper and I are both part of that group. My first time to Hammers, I turned off of the highway, and we weren't even to the gate yet of the BLM, and I was like, I'm hooked. Like, I'm in this. So I'm telling you guys, man, you're going to get there next week, and your minds are going to be blown because there's just – it's the middle of nowhere, right? There's nothing. And then you're just going to come down this road, and it's just going to be like – 75,000 people in the middle of nowhere all for one reason really and i'm right there with you this is going to be my first hammer so i'm i'll be right there with you staring in awe and wonderment and and all amazed and twitter pated it's going to be great yeah we can't wait you know i i i think we can say with a high level of confidence i don't know if i want to speak for john but um john and i have been um you know, through fire together for the last 10 years, just like, you know, I think you guys have such a great team and partnership, but I, I think we're going to be in the second group as well. You know, I, I think we're going to know that this is, um, this is a, a place for, for guys like us and, and uh, we want to be, we want to be part of it long-term. So it's going to be well, fun. That's awesome, man. We are, we are happy to see you guys down there. You're going to have to come by. We're camped in Hammertown and, and, you know, we talk about this a little bit in our open segment for tonight's episode, but you know, we kind of got an open invitation for anybody to come by. We got a our buddy Jaden's going to be cooking some good food for us mm. while we're there all week. We're gonna I like good food. 
Yeah, we're going to – I don't know how rowdy we're going to get. Well, hopefully we'll be drinking lots of monsters. Yeah, lots of free monsters. But, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to to meeting you guys in person and seeing you down there. And Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, You know, we really want to thank you guys for – taking the time to come on tonight, uh, getting involved in our sport, you know, partnering with, with everybody that's involved in this, you know, it's just great. And, and our sport wouldn't grow and wouldn't be what it is without a a company like Hypercraft. So, so thanks, you know, for being involved and and thanks for coming on tonight. I got one last question before we go. And this is, this is pretty important. So how do you guys, how do you guys take your coffee? Black. Oh no black I'm and a, i'm afraid to even admit that i'm a latte guy oh didn't see that coming man it, it's well, kind of a running joke actually all right well so we got black we got latte i i drink a lot of coffee and i was always like i'm a man i like sam elliott and i drink black coffee like that's all there is to it and then one day i found Shivani coffee creamer and now i'm hooked so i got my like milky white coffee with me so i right, no judgment then huh I, I, as i getting older i'm like i don't have time for the sam elliott toughness of life i need to like poof my man bun and drink my creamed coffee so <laughs> i have an electric vehicle yes yes <laughs> i have never had a cup of coffee in my life well that's because they told you wow. that You'd grow hair on your chest. I you guess. Want hair I on guess. Your chest. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm definitely a coffee guy. Um, I usually drink four or five cups a day, and I usually make one right before bed. So what? I, yeah, I crawl in bed with a, with a, a cup of coffee or an espresso, and that's intense. Yeah, the I last usually, thing I drink. I drink it in the morning, and I usually have a pot a pot or so between like between when I get to work at seven and between lunch, I'll have like a pot of coffee, sometimes a pot and a half, but mainly a pot. But after lunch, I can't have coffee. Otherwise it did kind of messes with my bedtime. So you're a special kind of crazy. If you drink a cup of coffee before bedtime, goodness. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just years of drinking coffee. Apparently it doesn't affect me. It, uh, it's just kind of a night, nightly ritual. So, yeah, I have a, I have to have a few to keep up with Jake. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't blame you there, but uh, well, yeah. Once again, thanks you guys. Um, thanks for talking with us. It's been awesome hearing about you and your company and your vision for, you know, bringing some, bring some newness to motorsports and, um, some innovation to something that's been around for a long time. I, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. This was a, it's a real pleasure and, and uh, can't wait to be looking back on this moment six months from now after, you know, we got a lot of this underway and, and uh, kind of reflect. So it's going to be a fun year. Yep. And on that note, man, we probably got stuff to do. We need to wrap this up. Uh, we want to let all of you guys know they're going to be at King of Hammers. Uh, we're going to have our flag up at our campsite in Hammertown. You look for our logo, the Pit Guys. We are going to be in, uh, we're right on Lasernut Lane, uh, just right kind of behind the Ford booth and the, the concert stage. We've got five or six spots there, so you guys come and come by and introduce yourself, man. We want to meet you guys and, and, and see you there. Yep, and just so you all know, I carry a Sharpie with me at all times, so if you want a signature anywhere, I will gladly accommodate you, and also I like stickers, so if you got stickers, give me a sticker. I, I'll I, take it. I feel like Eddie's going to really take you up on that autograph anywhere. I'm not scared. I'm not even scared, not one bit. All right, well... We do want to let you guys know we're not going to have a show next week. Next Wednesday, we will be driving from Grand County, Colorado to Johnson Valley. Mm-hmm. So no show next week, but we are going to try to update our Facebook and our Instagram as much as possible uh, so you guys can keep up to speed with us. Shoot, we might even post up some videos and you might actually see our faces. You might, maybe. But uh, we hope everybody gets there safe. Uh, if you're not going to be there, man, that's totally cool, too. Listen, follow Ultra Force live feed, uh, watch us, listen for us. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to see you there. And 
We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. I'm sure we're going to have an awesome King of the Hammers review show. Oh my gosh, it's going to be great. And we might have to it might take a couple showers to get all the dust out. So if we're doing uh if we're doing an episode and you hear some like grinding, it's probably the dust in my teeth. And on that note, we'll see everybody at Hammers. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. You've been listening to The Pit Guys. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. We'll see you at the races.